right, everybody, you're getting settled in. This next part of our service, we're going to have my little friends here. They're going to help us start the service, and they're going to start by reading in Matthew um, part of the resurrection story. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would ha- just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body is lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Revelation 4, 9 through 10. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne, and from the Lamb. All right. So, um, full disclosure, Easter is a crazy thing for pastors to preach about. Because you all know the end of the story, right? It's the, same, it's the same story every single year. And yet, because it's the same story, it's the greatest Sunday to preach. Because literally, I don't think I could mess this up, nor would I want to. Let me say before we get into the text that if you're here with us and you don't have a church, we're just honored that you're here. If you're here and you have an, a home church, you came to see somebody get baptized, thanks for spending Easter with us. Um, We pray that God blesses you and your church when you go back there as well. Um, If you don't have a home church, this, a week from today, next Sunday, I'm going to be preaching uh, just, we call them standalone messages. It's something that God really put on my heart um, to share with you next week. And the title is, Who Needs the Devil When I've Got You? Right? So who needs the devil when I've got you? God's doing something really amazing at the gathering. Um, None of us take any credit for it. He's really pouring out his spirit. He's really opening people's hearts to receive the truth that he has. Um, and then in a few, I, I don't know, it would either be May or June, we'll be kicking off a series called Really, Really. <laughs> Based off of the, the question that the, the enemy asked Eve in the garden, did God really say? I think it's time for the church and, and the Christians in the church to start saying in the culture that the answer to did God really say is, yeah, he really did. So we're talking about the word of God and what we can can learn from the word, what we can trust in the word. Um, But today we are in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 7, and Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. Our fantastic helpers just read those verses. I'm not going to talk to you very long at all this morning. I just want you to know that our goal today is to take a quick look back to take a look forward and then talk about what that means for us today, right? A look back, a look forward, and what does that mean for us today? 
So let's talk about what happened in the past. Let's talk about a past reality. Listen, I, I'm not going to try to convince you that Jesus was risen from the dead. Um, a lot of people are like, don't try to prove that to me. I, I don't feel the need to prove it to you. I'll simply say this. A lot of you listen to a lot of people talk that are wrong all the time. You're like, no, I gave up Fox News, and I gave up CNN, and I gave up. Yeah, but you've got friends that are wrong almost more than they're right. You listen to the local weather, or I should say weather, the meteorologists, and they're paid to be wrong, I think. Like, they're, well, no, they're paid even when they're wrong. Is that a better way to say it? It's like, hey, it looks like it's going to be cold and rainy, and then, like, you bundle up, and you walk outside, and it's sunny, and you're like, I would be at the lake today if I'd have known this, right? Even with all the advanced, all the stuff we have, like they still, yesterday, I told Wendy, I'm sorry, I'm probably not going to get all the yard work done because I had looked at the advanced forecast and saw that it was going to rain yesterday. Guess what it didn't do yesterday? Rain. Guess what I did yesterday? Yard work. I got it done, right? You listen to people. You give, you give people authority in your life. Because you, you think you can trust them. And I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying that at some point they're wrong and you still listen to them. When it comes to Jesus, can I just say this? If a man can predict his own death and his own resurrection, I would say if somebody got that right, we should listen to what they have to say. Well, no, I don't know if I can believe that. Really? Because you believe people that are wrong. So my, my point about the resurrection, I'll just say this. It's been over 2,000 years. And my answer to anybody who would say, I don't know about the resurrection, if that was actually a fact, I would say this, that it's a fact that a man named Jesus walked on this planet. Historical fact, not scriptural. No, I don't believe in the Bible. Let's talk about history. It's a historical fact that he walked on the planet. It's a historical fact that he made claims about being crucified and that he would rise again. And when all of that happened, the only thing people had to do to shut the whole thing down was, you already know the answer, show them the body. And there wasn't one. Man, I, I stand here thousands of years later convinced that when we talk about the resurrection, we're talking about a past reality. He is risen. Period. And so let's talk about a future certainty. If he has emptied the tomb, then let's talk about what he's going to do in the future. Revelation 7, 9 and 10. Now I'm going to read this section again, and I'm going to ask you to stand as we read this portion of Scripture, just to honor the Lord in his word. When we get done reading the scripture, we have a, a short video that we're going to play. So when you we finish reading this and the lights go off, you'll just know that's why. A future certainty, Revelation 7, 9, and 10. What is happening since Jesus was risen from the dead? He did that in the past. What is he going to do in the future? Here we read about it. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. Everybody look around. We can count who's in this room, but someday there'll be a vast crowd that you'll never be able to count. 
and from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Somebody say amen. amen. Watch this video, please. In Revelation, we read about the Lamb. And if you go back a, a few chapters earlier, Revelation 5, verse 9, John talks about the Lamb who was slain, who purchased men from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, right? What does it mean that there was an empty tomb? What it means is an empty tomb leads to a full house, and I don't just mean like there's a lot of people here today. 
I mean a full heaven. And people that don't look like us, people that don't act like us, people that might not talk like us, they don't have the same language as us, but all of us have the same Savior. The empty tomb leads to a full house. And, and when Wendy and I were talking this week, man, what jumped out at us, and she came, she's like, have you ever thought about this? Like, Jesus' scars are there forever. People have surgery to get rid of scars. We try to hide scars. His scars are there forever. He could have been, ris he could have been risen from the grave without any scars. Instead, he kept them. Why? Because he's, he is worthy because of those scars we're not gonna go through all of revelation there are people smarter than me that can talk you through the whole book but i do know there's a pivotal point in the book when all of heaven stops and people begin to weep and the reason they're crying is because they say there is no one worthy to break the seal there's no one worthy to open the scroll and then all of a sudden the writer says but then i looked and I saw a, a lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. And I said, he is worthy. They started to say, he is worthy. The lamb who was slain is worthy to what? Take the scrolls. Break the seals. And can I just simplify this for a second? It means that he alone has the authority to finish your story. The scars mean that Jesus is the only one worthy to finish the story. And that means that he's the only one worthy to fill the house. If you and I had our way, who would we put in the house? Maybe people that look like us. Maybe people that vote like us. Maybe that people that have the same interests, the same college team that you cheer for you would find fans from that school and you would put them in your house we we have this tendency to fill the house with people that we like and agree with or at least with people that we can understand right anybody been on a mission trip you've been in a room with people that speak a different language than you have you ever done it without an interpreter it's a lot of fun y'all a lot of people talking, nobody understands a word. I mean, like, I remember one of my last trips to India and sitting there without a translator. And God just started to download to me, like, do you get it, Paul? Like, God the Father speaks truth all the time. And we don't understand any of it. We had to have somebody that would translate for us, and his name is Jesus and he was sent to step into that middle place to help us understand the mysteries of God, the truth of God. He was our translator. He wants us to be with people that, like, when we look around in heaven, we're going to see, like, not a section of, a, of one ethnicity, and, a, and this is their section, and that's their section. Heaven's not going to be like the high school cafeteria, y'all. Heaven's going to be like, we're all together. It's like he took us all and just mixed us into a big bowl. And because he rose again, he has the authority to fill the house. You and I don't have the authority to pick who's there. I think you and I are going to be surprised at the ones who are there. And might be surprised who's not. 
And so it's good that there's that past reality of an empty tomb, and it's good that there's a future certainty in heaven with a full house. The question, though, is what does that mean for us right now? Have you ever asked yourself that question? So Jesus rose from the dead. Okay. I get it. Like, we celebrate this every year. Maybe you're sitting here right now. You're like, I've been to a lot of churches on Easter. Like, I still don't really get the, what, what is it all about? It's because if he rose again, then he's Lord. And if he's Lord, then he's growing his kingdom. And if he's growing his kingdom, then it should impact how we live our lives right now. We should listen to what he says. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul is writing, and he tells us that that past reality, future certainty, brings us to a present clarity. It should change how we see things now. And this is what Paul says. And, man, if I had time, we would read all of chapter 3, but I don't. So why don't you read it this afternoon? Why don't I just whet your appetite for it? And why don't you study Colossians chapter 3? Where Paul talks about how everything in our lives should change because Jesus rose from the dead. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. He's saying this because Jesus was risen from the dead and because you have followed him, you also are raised from the dead. And because you've been raised from the dead, because that happened. And you're moving towards a full house in heaven. It should change how you live right now. I am convinced, y'all, that the reason the church looks so much like culture is because we don't really believe that that resurrection actually matters today. But it does. What happened then changes everything now. And, and let me show you the big idea, and then I'm going to give you one last illustration can we throw that up this is from my journal do you have that picture okay I'll just tell you what it says in my journal two years ago I wrote this down this is your big idea Revelation 7 9 and 10 we just read it yes Revelation 7 9 and 10 let's be now what will be then why, why are we waiting to get to heaven to see what every nation every tribe and every tongue looks like in one room as if we can live prejudiced lives here but somehow get to heaven and be like cool bro what's up now if we're going to be that then let's start now revelation 7 9 and 10 let's be now what will be then the scars mean that jesus is the only one worthy to finish the story and to fill the house I was asking God yesterday just that simple question, like, okay, but what, what again, what does it mean? How does it, how does it impact my life today? Well, what, what does Good Friday really mean for a believer in 2022? And so I'm doing yard work, right? And yesterday the yard work was blowing leaves. Do you also have leaves in your yard? We have this, we have this back. I'll be care I won't say everything, right? It's all my fault, right? I don't do enough yard work. But we have this walkway behind our house like we got like patio stones and then we used to have like is it like crushed brick or red rocks they they used to be we have what used to be red rocks now they're just rocks 
And we never change them out because you can't see them because, like, I think two or three seasons, years of fall leaves have just, they just get stuck in that corner, right? So yesterday, I, I got out my, listen, I'm going to get man points for this, I know. I got out my blower that I have to plug in. <laughs> I know, it's terrible. And, and so I'm out there, I'm, I'm like blowing leaves with my electric plug-in blower thing that also is falling apart, but it's, I fixed it with duct tape. So I lost man points for the plug-in part, but I get man points for fixing it with duct tape, right? <laughs> and I'm blowing the leaves, and I get to that corner, and corners are hard because you have to, like, blow down, and, like, hopefully it banks off the house and pushes it that way, and then you have to scoot around really quick and keep blowing because you – and I'm, I like to get all the leaves. So there's always that one leaf that wafts down. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but three seasons worth of leaves, y'all, like they were matted together. They were nasty. And I was like, God, I, I'm praying about today. Like, I, I know I want to talk about heaven and Revelation 7, 9, and 10. But, God, I'm talking to people that we're not there yet. I mean, am I the only one that thinks heaven's going to be awesome? But tomorrow, well, tomorrow's Easter Monday, so maybe Tuesday you're going back to work. and Like, life is still life. And, I mean, am I, am I the only one who sometimes your life just doesn't look like Revelation 7, 9, and 10? I thought, so, God, I want to encourage people. I want to, I want to inspire people. I want them to have hope that what your life looks like now, the story's not over. And God, like, what can I tell them? Is there something about these leaves that can help me? And then I, and there it was. I was like, that's it. I found it. Because hidden underneath my leaves, I hope I'm strong enough. Ah, hidden under my leaves were this. Hold on. I'm getting there. Ah, I was so worried about my fingers. Ta-da! I thought it was going to be better than that. Okay. So, this was buried under our leaves. And here's the story. Our kids went to Park Ridge. And Park Ridge used to have, I'm trying to think what, like every class would do a project and then they would have, what was it called? An auction? Yeah. So if you're not from a Christian school, that's Christian school speak for we pit the parents against one another to see who will give us the most money. And it's great because it, but there's only one per class. And I, I've, been, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out when Parker and Will's class made this. I, I can't remember, but I remember we were kind of new at the school and I was kind of trying to. You know, y'all know me. I can get a little bit um, embarrassed and start sweating. I feel like I'm doing it right now, but I can't let go of this to wipe my head. But I just want to sometimes blend in. Anybody feel me? And so my dad was there, and, and he started bidding. And I don't know what these stones would normally go for, $75, $100, I don't know. But at some point, my dad got into a bidding war with somebody else. And if you're here, I don't know who, I don't remember who that person was, but I'm sorry. <laughs> but it makes for a great illustration. Hang with me. I got, and I was getting 
redder and redder. And my dad was having so much fun, you know, because I just, so they were in second grade. Are we getting texting notes right now telling me how to do it? That's fantastic. So what? Oh, Parker, thank you. Parker's watching the live stream. It was in second grade. Yes. I knew it would pay off to have kids that were smarter than me. Second grade. And he's bidding, and they're bidding, and he's bidding again, and it keeps going up, and it keeps going up. And, and at some point, it was at $1,000. Right. Are you feeling me now? And I was just like, oh, God, make it be over, right? Like, I love my kids, and they did it, but $1,000? We won. I'm sorry. My dad won. He won. And I don't even know what it ended up being. It might have been 1000 thousand, might have been 1200 but whatever it was, I was sweating like crazy. Was it 1200 I think. I don't know. I know. That's how I feel, too. Millie's like, he's crazy. Um. I'm getting somewhere. Hang with me. We took it home. We used it because it was made to be outside. And, but you know what it wasn't? It was never protected. That's why see, you're looking at it and you're going, he paid $1,000 for a second grade elephant? What? Was now, it was a beautiful picture, y'all. And because it was never sealed, protected, it's... It's, did you say trash? Yeah. Thank you. You're making my point. So I was talking to God yesterday. And I was like, but, I mean, God, how is that a good illustration? He said, well, how much is it worth? And I said, kind of like she did, like, I, was, uh, pff, I don't know. He said, it's worth what your father paid for it. And I know this is a word for y'all today. Some of you have been looking in the mirror and you don't even recognize who you've become. You never protected yourself and the enemy has had his way in your life. That enemy that Jesus defeated on the cross, that enemy that he went down on Saturday and took the keys to, he heaven, to, to hell and death and the grave, that Satan, the one that he made a laughing stock of at the cross, the one that trembled when Jesus came out of the tomb, yet that enemy that enemy that's been defeated for this many years, you've allowed that enemy to deface you. And literally, I'm thankful that you're here today. It's hard to sit through a church service when you feel like you don't even recognize who you are. And you don't feel like you're worth anything. And I'm telling you right now, you're worth what the Father paid. And He paid His Son for you. Now, I wish I could make this go back to how it was. And I was, trying, I was telling God, like, this is a bad illustration. Because they're going to expect me to go poof, and suddenly the picture is back. And this is what God told me. Has this, has this ever lost its purpose? No. Because what's it designed to do? Be a stepping stone. And guess what it can still do? Oh, God, don't let me drop this. See, it's really heavy. You can still step on it. It can still do the very thing it was made to do. You can still do the very thing that you were made to do. And some of you, your life is so far gone 
from who you were called to be by God. Because you have listened to friends who were wrong. You have listened to culture that is wrong. And you have allowed them to define who you were. And it has ruined who God said you are. And I just want you to know on Easter Sunday 2022 that I serve a God who came up out of the grave. And because he rose again, I know that he can restore my life and yours. Back to our original purpose. Now, we might not look quite as good as we once did. There was a beautiful picture there, right? But our purpose is still the same. And it's all because of the man with the scars. The one who has scars for eternity can heal yours here. And I want to call you to him this morning. I want you to close your eyes. I want to give you some time to process, not because I think you'd be embarrassed, but because sometimes we just need to remove the distraction that we see so we can hear the voice of God calling us. What if I told you that last night I had a dream and in my dream I saw people coming back to who they are? What if I told you that this moment God knew that you would be sitting right where you're sitting? And I don't know if I can ever be what I was before. I've wasted your investment you spent so much on me, and I didn't even bother to protect it. And now I've just been buried under stuff. I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know where to turn. And there's no way that my life, the way it looks now, can be worth what you paid for it. And he says it is. You are worth what I paid for. And if you're here in the room, and you've never chosen to follow Jesus, Man, this morning, I want you to hear me say to you unequivocally, he's paid a price for you. He wants you. You just have to want him. Maybe you're a believer. You've been following Jesus. And if you're honest, you've not been following him too well. Not like we're working our way into heaven, but you do have to follow him, right? You have to, like, listen to what he says. You have to pay attention to what he's doing. And so this morning, I want to call you back. I want to call you, like, just to come meet him at this altar and spend a moment or two with him. Forget about the people that are on your left and on your right. This is just you and Jesus. He's calling you back. He's calling you home. And this morning, I want to call you to respond to bring the scars of your life, to bring all the jacked up stuff to Him. Believer, your life might look fantastic and yet there's no passion in it. He wants that as well. So as the band leads us, I'm just going to give you a moment to respond. God, I want to be what you called me to be. I want to do what you said I could do. I want to fulfill the purpose that you have for my life. I don't want to be buried up under some leaves. Come on, church. Would you just stand together? Can we just fill this room with some praise right now?
If you're a believer in this room, I want you to begin to pray that God would give people the courage to respond to His truth and His Word. Come on, as they sing, you just respond. You just respond.